Welcome to Spotlight Conversations with voice talent and DJ Donna Reed. Donna talks music and media from her sunny linoleum-free studio. Come on in. Come on in. Welcome to my humble abode known as Spotlight Conversations, where I like to talk to people about music and about media, get a little bit of a backstory, kind of find out about them. Go to my website. You want to find out more, spotlightconversations.com. Also, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Donna Reed VO or at Spotlight Conversations. My next guest is an inspiration to me personally. He's one of the most well-known voice actors in Hollywood. I'm talking about Bo Weaver. He's not only well-known, but he's also one of the hairiest voiceover guys in Hollywood. Isn't that right? <laughs> that little blurb was written by some web developer, you know, 20 years ago. And it's kind of a, a especially to people outside of, of the voiceover business, it, it uh-huh. always astonishes people when they see that there's usually a pretty good reason that this guy chose a career off camera. Uh, because the, the voices you see on television speaking professionally right. you know, are like sportscasters and weathermen and you know movie stars and stuff like that. And they look like they belong on television. So when you see uh, voice actors, uh, it's a shock, you know. But many of us did in fact, and I certainly did, Many of us chose a career off camera because for one reason or another, we were uncomfortable with our bodies being involved in our performing. <laughs> so I am a performer who right. chose life of performing for thousands of people in a closet, closed off in the dark where no one can see me. Obviously, there's some psychological <laughs> stuff to unpack here. Noble, fared, long-haired, leaping gnome. I have it in my head now. And, and again, that's on a website that was put together by some web developer 20 years ago. Well, so. that describes you perfectly. And now we're transitioning over to voiceovers. Okay. Um, you're really the pioneer of letting people know, you know, you can do voiceovers from home. Yeah, kind of a long story. I um, When I got to the radio station in Los Angeles, KHJ, which was the number one music station on the planet back then. Uh, and, you know, it was, I kind of gotten to the top of the game in a certain sense. And I, I was introduced to the idea of voiceover by another one of the guys who worked at KHJ, who was putting together a demo. And uh, I heard him playing his voiceover demo, and I said, Dave, what, what's that? He says, oh, that's my, that's my voiceover demo. That's my future, man. And I said, what are you talking about, Dave? That's just a bunch of spots. He said, Bo, do you not understand that this is the real business here? What we do on the air is just glue, just a filler in between the commercials. The commercials is where the money is. And I went, what <laughs> <laughs> he said, um, yeah, he said, uh, uh, I, I said, well, crap, I, I got to get one of those voiceover demo things then. He said, well, it's not as easy as it looks. Um, you know, they don't like radio guys in this. I said, what are you talking about? I've been recording commercials right. since 15. He said, but in the advertising world, they hate the way radio guys sound. It's as though we had a, a, a southern accent 
radio guys all sound like radio guys. Yeah. And they, all right. here's the problem is radio guys don't think they sound like radio guys. It is invisible to them. And there are a bunch of reasons why they sound that way. And until they learn not to sound that way, the only kind of uh, commercial work they're going to do is uh, screaming car commercials, you know. So can that be retaught? I mean, oh, you're a big advocate of voice coaching, I'm sure. Be relearned. It can be relearned. But uh, my friend Dave, uh, Dave Sebastian Williams, who is one of the air personalities at KHJ, he he said, yeah, you know, there is a kind of therapy for this radio sound. Um, and I, uh, there's a workshop, and I'm going to it on Wednesday night. You can come with me if you'd like. And there was a woman named Joan Gerber who was in those days the top female voice talent on the planet. She did tons of animated cartoons and a lot of national commercials. She was just brilliant. And she had a voice actors workshop in her living room up on Mulholland in, in, um, uh, in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And so I went. So I went to this workshop. And the first thing uh, they did is they had a little warm-up exercise where she, in her living room, put a little piece of commercial copy on a music stand. And everybody quickly ran to the front of the room and slated their name and did a cold read of the piece of copy and went and sat down. And so as we're looking at this, I'm thinking to myself, oh, dude, I'm going to nail this. <laughs> I read live copy all the time. I can I hear you. At the top radio station in the United States. Okay, I'm gonna fucking nail this. Okay, all right, I go up there, Bo Weaver. Uh, you know, and I read it. And Joan had been looking away, and then she wheeled around and looked at me, and she looks at me, and says, "Disc jockey, disc jockey." And I went, "What the? Uh, it's like she said, I can smell you guys a mile away. Go sit down." As the workshop went on. And I observed these actors, and they were mostly film actors, you know, okay. film television actors, stage actors. Um, and again, that's the talent pool from which national commercials are cast, not radio guys. Uh, so I began to see, oh, there is an actor's approach to interpreting commercial copy that is entirely different from what I'm doing. They're doing something completely different. And I... For some reason, I just went, wow, I want to learn to do that. Did it captivate you like radio? It did. It captivated me uh, partly because I'm thinking, wow, if you're working on hundreds of projects in a year and there's no program director, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. To, you know, right. that's like an improvement to me. <laughs> So, uh, so I came to go to this workshop, and I found two other workshops. And because I was willing to approach it as a beginner, saying, "Okay, I'm going to tear everything I know down. I'm not a big time radio guy. I'm just a guy." But you could do that. You yep. you had it in you to say, "Oh, forget all this. Screw all that." Glad I had that because one of the other guys who worked on our radio station, who was quite well known at the time, I went to him and I said, "Hey, man, I." I went to this incredible thing. It's a voice acting workshop. And there's a, there's a whole other approach. I would, I would, you know, you would love this. This is right up your alley. You would be so great at this. You know, you, you, you should come. And he said, well, yeah, I might, I might drop Check by yeah. if they want me to teach. 
And I said, well, no, it's not, you know, it's just, it's a whole new thing to learn. And he was not interested because he was a big time radio guy. Going to move forward. If you can do what the Buddhists called find beginner's mind, you're able to learn something new. But if you already know, you don't have any room, you know. But yeah, it, it's a it's a completely different thing. So you, that's how I made the transition to voiceover. You were asking me about that aspect of uh, what a lot of people know me for is is that I've shared technical knowledge about how to record at home with a lot of people because I've been doing it for a really long time. And you, you, I, I think you're asking about the, the genesis of that. Yes, yes, exactly. Well, at a uh, particular point, I was mostly doing voiceover work, but I still had a foot in radio. And I had a foot in radio at the beginning of the satellite broadcasting era in uh, 1982. And the people I worked with in Los Angeles had started the first satellite broadcast network. It was called the Transtar Radio Network. And it had its uh, facilities uplinking to the satellite in Colorado Springs. So I, I moved there to be a part of that first experiment with satellite broadcasting. And I got hired also, as I pursued voiceover work, to do promos for a television station in Denver. And at that point, there were uh, two other guys who were doing the voices of other television stations who I'd known from radio. And these were guys who had also learned to make that transition from sounding like a radio guy to, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. to, to doing something different. And we have the same agent. And there was an interesting phenomenon uh, in Denver at that time. Denver television stations were really, really big time. They looked like San Francisco or New York, not a, a market the size of Denver. And uh, all three of them had decided that they would find a real voiceover talent to be their their signature voice for this station. And most television stations back then had an announcer who was, oh, he was the, the, the utility player. He did weekend weather. He hosted the kitty program. He sometimes uh, did the waterbed commercials, you know. Oh, wow. I and, he, and he wasn't very good. But right at that time, there arose uh, several broadcast consulting firms that were teaching uh, large and medium market television stations how to look big time. And they were bringing in uh, really hot looking sets and custom graphics and custom music packages and, you know, a lot of big time elements. But all these television stations had this kind of lame local sounding announcer guy and it simply didn't fit with the production values they were trying to bring so my friend ed o'brien one of the three three of us in denver who were voicing del denver television stations ed really had the entrepreneurial idea it was kind of revolutionary he said we could do what we're doing in denver on stations all over the country and roger and i were like what do you what? How do you do that? Phone patch. They direct us over the phone, and a brand new technology had just come online. What year that, was this? This was 1982. Okay. 
So a new technology made it possible for us to work in other cities. No, mm. not ISDN. Yeah. Federal Express, a brand new technology that had just been broadly available that allowed us to say to stations in other cities, you could FedEx us the script and no, no fax machines. Right, you, that's right. No fax machines. FedEx us the script, direct us over the phone. We will record it in our own home recording studios. So, and then we will FedEx the reel of tape, a seven inch reel of tape back to you. You will have it on your desk the very next morning. Isn't it amazing? The industry's mind was blown. Oh my God. <laughs> a station in Indianapolis could have an LA sounding voice talent. And so very, we, we put together a little demo. Ed's wife came up with a name for our little group of three voice guys. And we were able to work together because we all had very different styles. If you chose me, you would never choose Ed, you know? So, so we were different enough. Oh, so we were three flavors presenting ourselves as guys who had this new way to service stations in other cities. And so Ed's wife came up with a name for us. It was Three Fine Pipes. And so we put together a demo package. We sent it to television stations all over the country. We started going to broadcast conventions. And very shortly, each of us had a slate of stations. And we were, you know, we were on stations all over the country. Eventually, that got me noticed by an L.A. talent agent who wanted to represent me. And I moved back to, to Los Angeles. Are you still with them? I think you probably oh, no, I've changed okay. agents about 500 times, you know. <laughs> That's another podcast. You know, you were talking about Bill Young, and he was able to separate radio from his personal life. You know, had two he could separate the two. He wasn't always living radio. And then you mentioned Buddhism. And I'm going to try to tie that in with, I noticed this past summer you've been reconnecting with your family on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, it's not just about work. i got to connect with my kids, my grandkids. Well, that is, you know, a profound shift in my life. I wouldn't say I'm a Buddhist. I would say that I have been strongly influenced by some Buddhist ideas mm. and some Hindu ideas. And my early uh, spiritual path is a Christian, although non-traditional Christian. And I've been very, very involved in and influenced by Native American spiritual traditions over, over the years. And so, so I have a very eclectic mix, and you cannot find a bumper sticker to put on my car to describe <laughs> what it is that I am. Um, but I, I will say this, that I have, since I was 15 years old and became obsessed with that getting on a radio station, I have been absolutely obsessed with career. That's all I could see. And... Um, I developed a certain relentlessness that served me well that, you know, in my career, I've been able to at, at least do some of every uh, genre or field in voiceover that you that that I aimed for. Mm -hmm. I, I had had lead characters in animated cartoons. I was Superman for Hanna-Barbera. I was I remember that. Of, uh, uh, you know, of the Fantastic Four from Marvel. A lot of, lot of other uh, roles. That was never my main thing. But, uh, you know, I was, you know, I was 
the voice of uh, uh, television promos for all of the broadcast networks. You know, I, I did promos for Entertainment Tonight, for, uh, for uh, uh, Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy and Seinfeld and, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of other iconic television programs, uh, narrations, all, all the cable networks with Discovery History. I remember Channel. National Geographic, too. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've done a lot of national television campaigns in the commercial realm. I've got a, a commercial campaign for AT&T that's still running right now. Uh, characters at, at Disneyland, uh, at theme parks, done non-broadcast stuff, just all over the place. I developed a certain relentlessness, which is kind of like, okay, what is the goal? What, what am I aiming at? Or, okay, what stands between me and that goal? All right, what is it? Is it a skill that I do not have that I need to acquire? Okay, I'll acquire that skill. Is it a habit that I have that I need to get rid of? Okay, I'll get rid of that. Is it a discipline that I need to, to install into my life? Okay, I'm going to bring that. And so whatever stands between me and the goal, crush it. Now, that has produced certain results that, you know, right. I've had some success in, in my career. However, I've got to say that single focus has made me not present in the moment. I have missed a lot of my life. I have not been present for the people that I love the most. And if in the face of that relentlessness and hyper focus, if you were a person in my personal life, that's not been very pleasant to be around. Hmm. It's made you feel not seen, not important, you know, and um, so a few years ago, I had a transformative experience that made me see all that. Oh, my God. You hmm. Can you not... say what that was? Was it a... Well, you, know, I, it, it, you know, when people talk about spiritual experiences, the, you end up sounding like a lunatic uh, because they're, they're not linear. When, when you speak it out loud, you turn it into a thing as, oh, oh, believes oh, in the thing. Yeah. I had a, a, just let's say an inner turning point where an awareness made itself present in my body in a way that was lasting. When was this? How long ago? Four or five years ago. Oh, okay. So, all right. And th this also uh, coincides with getting older. There is a shift in uh, yes, men and is. women Yep. When they, when they get older, which is actually awesome. It's, it's actually... It's too bad it's downplayed, because there is some greatness in that. Enormous greatness in it, but the people who are listening who are 38 are thinking, oh, isn't that adorable? It's an old guy trying to have a good attitude about being an old guy. Isn't that... That's exactly what they think. That, yes. Well, youth is wasted on the young. It, it is. It's a true thing. I would say that right now, um, I am having what I would call, I'm 69, and I uh, am in the richest, most interesting period of my life ever. And none of that has anything to do with my work. There's so many people that do voiceovers now. Yeah. They're yeah. relentless. Mm -hmm. They're going after the gold ring, the brass ring, right? Yeah. Maybe forgetting whatever it is. Yeah. What's your advice to them? 
no, I can't, because this is a thing that you can only see when you see it. Mm. And somebody telling you you should see it doesn't help at all. The time that you could spend with somebody you care about, you can never get back, ever. Uh, but it's going to make me sound like I think I'm Eckhart Tolle or some other Buddhist teacher. Time is a construct. It doesn't exist. There is only now, only this that you and I are doing here right now. You know, we think that it's like a videotape. There is a spool that hasn't unspooled yet. And there's a thing out there, thing out there is only what we create in the moment. And uh, I've learned to locate myself in this moment. And that's where life gets rich. That's where love lives. Love doesn't live in the future or in the past. All the good stuff is in this moment. And that means I don't have any place to get to. There's no one to be. There's no state to arrive at. You know, I've got everything I need right now. And so I'm I'm uh, uh, way happier than I than I used to be. So if you could give advice to aspiring voiceover talent, they're hearing you today. They're going, "Wow, this guy, right on. I can I can identify." What would you tell them? Well, you've got to have passion in your life that's not just in the realm of achieving in voiceover. In in the world that that I work in 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 Los Angeles. More often than not, commercials for television campaigns are voiced by actors, name actors. Mm-hmm. So, of course, in the COVID area, the, you know, this is all very different because nobody is going to recording studios. But back in the day when I used to travel to five to seven different recording studios every day and I would see, you know, people in the lobby it would often be a famous person. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember being at Pacific Ocean Post and Sir Ben Kingsley is sitting in the lobby and you know we both have about 40 minutes before we're going to be called in to do our our parts and we're sitting talking and he's not mostly talking to me he's talking to several other people and you know what he was talking about he was talking about travel art music ideas (laughs) and culture he did not talk about microphones or agents or his career, or he was li- he was present in his life, <laughs> right? And you know experiences that made his life rich, and that you know came through his work because he was a whole, full human being. And so many people uh, in our little world are so wrapped up. And and dude, I, I'm not criticizing anybody because I was this guy for the ninety percent of my career. Hmm. completely consumed in the form you know you know the the technical the 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 part of getting work the all of that the form that i had no i I had no soul (laughs) to impart into that work so i i would just say if you love this work and are really pursuing it that's great do that and also have some other area in your life that you're equally passionate about, whether it be backpacking the Appalachian Trail or uh, uh, creating art in some other realm, especially if it's nonlinear, doing it for money. You're just doing it for joy. 
like one of the things I, I have started doing I, since I worked in radio for so many years and I worked around the music business all those years, but my participation in it was always around the music that the audience wanted to hear. We did research to determine That's which right. songs would be played in mm -hmm. what you know, proportions, etc. cetera. Uh, well, I love music, but all of my professional life, it was always just for the listeners, not me. It didn't matter what I liked, you know? As an on-air talent, I pretended to be liking the particular song I was playing, you know? I could do that. But what, I, what I've done recently is I have every day, almost every day, most days, I will take 10 minutes to go on Spotify or YouTube and just go down some rabbit holes and discover some new music that I didn't already know and just I play it. It myself sheerly for joy, not for anything, not to write about it or post about it or, you know, for mm -hmm. no reason other than to let it wash over me and experience joy in my body just for that, just for fun. And I also, every day, I go on a bike ride, but not to go anywhere. When Elizabeth says, hey, if you're going to go on a bike ride, would you, uh, you know, mail the le this letter for me? <laughs> I say, no, <laughs> I will drive and mail the letter later for you. I will absolutely do that. But this bike ride is just for joy, just to feel the wind on my face, to not to be like a seven year old kid just riding his bike in the neighborhood because he can, because it feels like freedom, you know? And so I'm doing that. And um, so, so whatever you do in, in, in your, your pursuing your work, pursue it with a vengeance. That's great. But also find something to pursue uh, for nonlinear joy, except uh, really put yourself into it. Don't do it casually like it's meaningless. Do it like this is a life is for love the people in your life with all that relentlessness that you're pouring into your work and love yourself so that in the moment you are experiencing joy like that's like guess what i could get hit by a bus tomorrow afternoon yeah and a year ago i i almost did i got run off the road on my bike by a gravel truck broke my collarbone knocked myself out uh, so in this day which is all we have, which is the only thing that exists. There right is now. no thing out there called tomorrow waiting to come. There's only another this. Take it all in, you know? But see, here's the thing. That will not register for anyone until it's time for it to register for them. I'm so glad I invited you to do this. What's really cool is you got me to talk about radio, and I told you that I, I had nothing to say about radio. Well, thank you. I, I've enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. You've been listening to Spotlight Conversations with Donna Reed. Subscribe on Apple and Spotify Podcasts or your favorite platform. Thanks for tuning in.